Theos Rift walked the long hallway alone, floating in happiness, plump with supreme fulfillment. He paused outside room 451 and wondered what he was going to find behind the door. Several thoughts came to him, but he wiped his mind clean of them. He wanted his first vision of the beast to be pure. Beautiful moments, he knew, were best if kept virginal. He rubbed the sawtooth edge of the key, the key he had been waiting to insert into the door of room 451 for six months, the key once stolen, now in his possession again. He slipped it in. The door popped open with a heavy clang. There it was, the beast, the monkey wrench jamming the gears of tomorrow. It was alone, sitting in a wooden chair with its back to the door. They said it wasn't dangerous, but Thrift took no chances. His eyes never left the beast as he slowly moved around the table. His heart thumped as though some celestial marvel were being unfurled before him. He watched its disheveled dark hair, its calculating hands, its suspicious lips. The beast slowly, sumptuously appeared before his eyes. The blank, cowardly face of defiance. The face with no cause. The face of poison, sabotage, resentment, and chaos. The beast sat with lazy indolence, bouncing a baseball against the dirty wall. Thrift pulled out the chair, sat down, and laid his arms upon the table like ready weapons. Mr. Jerry Rigged. In the flesh. Train robber of the millennium. <laughs> Kidnapper of a people's will. I'm your man. You're my man. You're my man. You little shit. Hey now. I ought to strangle the life out of you right now. Right here in this room. And if I did, do you know what would happen to me? I'd become the biggest hero this town has ever seen. True. But you get an F for originality. Jerry Rigg, the slippery snake, poet without a pulpit. Poet? No, no poet. I heard different. Reliable sources, too. Obsolete sources. Oh? What's it to you? I don't know. Just making conversation, trying to get to know the man who doesn't want to be my friend. Well, you heard wrong. I don't think so. Look, do you want something? Why no, friend. I don't want a thing. I thought we could sit and chat the afternoon away. Maybe go down to the rec hall and play some pool. Do you like pool, Jerry? Cards are good, too. What kind of card games do you like to play? Do I want something? I'll tell you what, son. You're right. I do want something. Let me guess. You don't have to guess. Here's the deal. I want you to sign the property over to me. Until now, you've resisted. You've resisted even discussing it. I believe you've got your reasons, but I don't know what they are. You won't tell me. Well, here you are. Here I am. Guess what? Now's our chance. I want to know why you won't sign. I want to find out why, and then, perhaps, we can come to a better understanding. And then, who knows? <laughs> You might invite me to Christmas parties? Anything's possible. It's not that complicated, okay? I'll tell you why. You see, I'm chained to something, and it won't let me go. It holds me back. It slows me down. When I want to run, it makes me walk. When I want to jump, it keeps me grounded. I can't escape it. 
It's like a shadow, following me wherever I go. But it's big, heavy. I'm nothing against it. I don't fight it. I understand it. It frees me. I can see things. I can go places. Do you understand? Sounds to me like you need a heavy-duty pair of snips. That's what I used to think. I used to hack at it all day and night until I realized it wasn't going anywhere. I stopped trying. I let go and gave myself to it. It consumed me. It grew larger, dwarfing me. Then I began to see. I began to move, to travel, to feel. Do you understand? Surely, if you can see so well, you see what's going to happen to the city because of whatever it is you just described, chained to your ankles. This city will die a thousand deaths, all because of you. Columbus may just do that. But it doesn't have to. There's still time. You're asking me to feed an addict. How do you feel about that? How do I feel about what? Your contribution to the trivialization of humanity. I feel frustrated because I have to deal with the likes of you. We all have to deal with unpleasant things. Some more than others. God, you are a headache. Look, what's it going to take? A century or two? Come again? Nothing. I'm willing to work with you. You probably are, but I don't see it. I'll try, damn it. You know, my teacher used to say that, but he'd slam his fist down on the table and make horrible faces like he was going to kill me. Just thought I'd tell you that. Jesus Christ. You're an impudent bastard, aren't you? No. Just tired. You're in deep trouble, son. Oh, I know. I don't think you do. Disturbing the peace? Okay, if you say so. Today. But who knows what tomorrow will bring. See, that's what I like about life. The unexpected. I mean it. We've all had enough of you. You've had your fun. You can walk away from this thing, no problem. You can be a rich man, a celebrity. I'll be envious. But if you think you're going to push it another inch, then I can tell you, you're making a big mistake. You understand me, Jerry? I understand everything about you and that stadium. I'm not sure if you do. I'm not sure you know what it means to me. You're here, aren't you? Yes, that's right. I'm here. You're a big man. Big men don't waste their time on little men who are brought in for disturbing the peace. Good boy. I wonder... Does that make me a big man, too? You? No. You're a very small man. Shucks. But you can do a big thing. There it is. The agreement. And the check for $20 million. You, me, our date with destiny. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. What's he gonna do? Is he going to be brave, do what's right, be hailed as a temporarily misguided hero of Columbus? Or? Or do something else, something very foolish. A dilemma. Not if he has good sense. I believe he has exceptionally good sense. Jerry. Yes. Sign the paper. You can close your eyes. I'll put it under your hand, and then you can honestly say you wrote down your name, but you couldn't be sure on what. You could sleep like a baby. Oh, boy. Sign it, and we can both go home. $20 million, Jerry. Sign it not because you've given in to anybody or anything, 
but because, when it comes down to it, you're not a stupid man. Sign it not for me, not even for you, but for the people of this city who are now, as we speak, on their hands and knees, begging you, Jerry, to open up your heart. Let me put this pen in your hand. Mr. Thrift. Down with the eyelids. Mr. Thrift. When I tell you, fast as you can, make your mark. But you know I can't. Just a second. Almost ready. Okay, now, go ahead. I can't. Of course you can. Would you like me to whistle for you? I can sing. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. Keep the eyes closed. Anytime you're ready. That's it. Good boy. It's right in front of you. A scribble is all we need. Nothing fancy or even legible. However you want to do it, son. No! There's nothing in this world that can make me sign those papers. I said no! The limousine had gone round the city twice already. It was pale and rainy, the kind of day to endure and then forget. But for these three, the day offered more. Inside the limousine was warmth, comfort, and possibility. On one side sat Mayor Bile and Thrift. Across the small table of vibrating drinks, double chin stretched taut from his recently acquired affectation of thrusting out his orange jaw, curling his pencil-thin lips into a frown, and narrowing his dead fish eyes onto his audience, squatted tripe like a sumo wrestler in a cheap suit, his dainty hands dangling like speared octopuses from his knees. The cartoon before them would have prompted laughter of the heartiest and most derisive kind if it weren't tripe himself. But you don't laugh at rising dictators, at least not to their smug faces. After several hours of fruitless discussion, the three had come upon a word. This word had been uttered, immediately laughed at, ridiculed as being preposterous, discarded as futile. But then as more hands were raised and lowered to the small table of vibrating drinks, laughter bowed to a litany of hypotheticals, then an array of precedents, to a synopsis of recent Columbus misfortune, to a slippery interpretation of the word as it applied to current federal law. Treason. Isn't that what it is? It sure as hell looks like it to me. I didn't come all this way to play patty cake with this little turd. But treason. You said treason. I know I said treason. Because that's what the punk's doing. Treason. Treason. Say anything enough times and it sticks. Believe me, I should know. But he's not a traitor. In some ways, he's quite admirable. Honey, you going soft on us? I just don't want to do anything unethical. I bet you got the hots for this kid, don't you? I've seen that look before a million times if I've seen it once. You don't want to lock him up because you think he's cute. Maybe he writes sensitive little poems that pluck the strings of your lonesome middle-aged heart. Look, you called me here. You called me. I'm here. What do you want? I'm a busy man. A very busy man. But I came to this outpost because it's a very important thing. Very important to me personally. And to my foreign, ahem, business partners. That this stadium is built. And the people of Columbus are happy with the Republican mayor. Look, you're in a jam, right? If you weren't in such a big jam, we wouldn't be sitting in this boat. The way I see it, the law is there like a great big ocean. The ocean, you know. Like the one right at the feet of my casino, Tangiers. Fabulous casino. You should have seen it. It's really a shame that it had to close, but I had more important things to do. Like running for president. Running for president is a very important thing. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. What was I saying? Oh yeah. The ocean. Laws. Laws are a lot like truth. Or lies for that matter. Whatever. It's just there. The ocean. I don't know how I got there, and frankly, I don't care. 
Now some people let that big ocean hold them back. It's too big. It's too scary. Ooh. Other people. People with imagination and know-how. They look at that great big ocean as an opportunity. An opportunity to take them places. To carry them to a better place. People like us, smart people, take the laws, use them if they work for us, bend them if they resist, and find ways all the way around if they get to be a real pain in the ass. People are tired of laws. They all think cops are out to get them, which, let's face it, if you're black or Latino, they pretty much are. This time, the law is our friend. The law is our ally. We pin treason on this guy. He's a dead duck. But treason? Theo. I, I know, Mayor. That's crossing the line. No offense, Mr. President, comrade. None taken, honey. And by the way, you've got a great little figure. You're really in good shape. In all the years I did all those beauty pageants, I mean, I had access to all the fresh meat I wanted. Believe me, you don't take a backseat to any of them. She is the hot-to-trot MILF mayor of the middle class, as I like to say. The prototype of America's weariness of the intellectual elite. Bile is spunk and sass with a tight little ass, a prime example of your new lieutenants in the field. Getting back to this treason thing. Lock her up! Not that treason, Mr. President, comrade. It was a simple meeting about adoptions, for crying out loud. There we were, not even elected yet, working for the barren women of America and their right to purchase babies in any country of their choice. You think I'm working for Putin? You think he's blackmailing me? Preposterous. Ridiculous. Not that treason either. I think, Mr. President Comrade, she's referring to the treason you suggested. God, Theo, what are we doing? Easy, honey. Come on. Here. You want to lean your head on my shoulder? Come over here. I hate to see a specimen like you burst into tears. Treason. That's punishable by... Death. That's right, honey. Death. Treason against America. Because that's what treason is. It's a very serious thing. Very serious. History doesn't look kindly on the weasels of the world. But I don't want Rigged killed. I just want him to see things our way. I thought we'd put a little pressure on him until he came around. Look, Mayor, honey, it's not our job to judge this guy. His guilt or innocence is a mock point. Moot. Moot? Theo, what the hell are you talking about? I think you meant to say moot, not mock, Mr. President Comrade. What? You think I'm a blubbering idiot or something? You think I don't read? You think I don't know the basics of American language? Not at all. All right. Moot. It's a moot point. Look, Mayor, honey, all we're going to do is charge this guy. He'll be shitting bricks and begging for mercy two minutes after you haul him in. What's this guy done? I mean, he's preventing the forward march of progress, of entertainment, of commerce, which is about as un-American as it gets, let's face it. He's stopping the average citizen of Columbus from enjoying a football game. Eat a few hot dogs, down a few brewskis. Isn't treason the same thing as being un-American? Just ask Benedict Arnold. We're not the courts. Let the courts decide this guy's fate. Hell, isn't that what they're there for? It's not your responsibility, or mine, to decide if this guy gets the chair. Your hands will be clean as a baby's butt after a bath if rigged fries. Yes, but the likelihood of that actually happening is minuscule, Mayor. About as unlikely as... Somebody like me becoming president? <laughs> this Jerry Rig, he's different. They're all different, honey. No, not like him. I've never met anyone like him. There's a very real possibility he'd rather face the chair than give in. Then it's bzz, bzz, bzz for Poet Boy. Anybody hungry? How about a trip to White Castle before I fly on out of here? Love that place. Love the greasy burger thing. My only vice. You get to New York often, honey? 
I'll set you up in Tripe Tower anytime you want. Leave Thalby at home. Come anytime you like. I'll put you in the honeymoon suite. That's the biggest jacuzzi you've ever seen. The biggest, I promise you. That's a great view of the city. Just great. Nothing like sitting in a jacuzzi looking at all those twinkling lights. Especially with a special someone. If you know what I mean. Give Theo your number. I'll have my boys set something up. I'll squeeze you in between a round of golf and one of my patented tweets. Hey, I'll even let you write one if you make it worth my while. You don't get something for nothing in this world. Gotta give to get. That's what my pop always said. You got a daughter? Bet she's a real knockout. Bring her too. A two-for-one deal. Tag team. Jerry Rigged moved through the darkness of the night with its harsh sounds and mystery and isolation. A world of slowing cars and rummaging dogs. He walked at times without knowing where he was headed or where just two minutes before he had been. He stopped in small, quiet places which drained him of sobriety, money, and hope. He felt worse with each new drink in each new corner. He sat in the gloom and watched the nowhere unfolding around him. He wandered across the river, snaking his way between the abandoned warehouses. Bardot had been missing for months. He thought, in some vague way, that his walking would alleviate the nail that had been driven into his heart the day she went missing. But it only sharpened his loneliness and turned his grief into raw anguish. He was crossing the street when two figures lunged at him from the shadows. He curled into a ball as they kicked and beat him. They might have killed him if the flower he had been carrying had not fallen out of his coat pocket. He'd bought it earlier in the day, as he often did, out of habit, hoping the routine would spawn a miracle and prompt her return. He went mad. He beat one attacker in the face with a nearby hunk of concrete. The other one tried to run, but he tackled him, stood above him, and while holding the man's forearm with both hands, kicked between the hands until he heard the bone crack like a small tree limb. Unlucky, he said. You jumped a man with nothing in this world to lose. Run now, if you want to live. The following morning, Mary Green found him sprawled on the floor of his apartment, lying in his own blood and vomit. She wept, then cleaned him up with a wet rag, heated some soup and fed him as he tried to smile. What is the matter with you? I don't know. Jerry, my guy, your head. It'll be all right. Doesn't hurt much. It needs stitched. It'll heal badly. Can't really see it if my hair's down. You're an idiot. Getting yourself killed isn't going to bring her back. The river, Mary. It's pretty at night when there's no one around. It keeps on going. The reflection of the moon remains, but the water keeps going. He sipped a little more soup, and then she led him to bed. He slept for two days, twitching often, mumbling, seemingly in the midst of some disturbing dream. She was in the kitchen when she heard him call out, a frantic, desperate plea. Mary! I'm here, I'm here, right beside you. Where's your hand? You're holding it, it's all right. I... I can't see. You're tired, you're not well. Everything's gone. What do you mean? I can't move. I can't see. It's all gone. You're too weak now. Rest. You you need to get well again. But you, but you don't understand. I can't see a thing. It's all gray. It will come back. 
Mary, are you crying? No. What if it doesn't come back? It will. It has to. I can't move. I can't see. I can't feel. Even the pain of losing her isn't real. It's just spilled gray. Everywhere there's the gray. I can't explain it. You don't understand. I'm dead. Jerry, there's something I want to tell you. They... They want to try you for treason. It's crazy. Them, him, trying you for treason. Jerry, did you hear me? Do you know how serious this is? Doesn't matter. Treason? That's funny. You'll go to jail, or... I don't know what you're saying, Mary. But you see, I don't care. What? I said I don't care. It's your life, Jerry. What's left of it? You've got to get yourself a lawyer. I know you don't want to sell the property, but you have to. It's the only way. I can't. You know that. If you don't sell the property, you'll be... Jerry, they'll kill you. One way or another. It's different now. Good. You don't mean that. You can't. Jerry? You don't know him. I forget. If you did, you would be as stunned as Mary Green, as stunned as I. But you don't know him. You never saw her. You never saw them. You can't understand the significance of it. When he looked up weakly into Mary Green's wide eyes and said the words, I don't care. Those who know him best have spent nights pondering his collapse. Men rise, men fall. It is the ebb and flow of generations. But when wizards tumble, when prophets lose themselves, it gives cause for serious reflection. He's taken it too hard, some say. He should have been over her a long time ago. Weakness, in the short term, is endearing. It's an expected reaction against the tidal wave of suffering. But over time, it becomes unsightly. The agony is supposed to disappear magically. To you, I say, you have not loved the way he loved. You have not known the twining of the heart. You will never comprehend the sublime meadow dance that lies beyond the moat of sexual stuttering. For it is like trying to convey death to the living, light to the blind, God to the disbelieving. I have seen many men in love, but have witnessed nothing like his love for her. I have seen more doting men, more affectionate men, more passionate men, but have never seen a man give more of himself than this man. He seemed nourished by it. The act of loving her enriched him. Time spent with her made him glow, like a leaf in sunshine. This abandonment, this receiving by giving, this supernova love makes most shudder. To some, it even repulses. So far have we fallen. Jerry Rigged was no radical. He was a lover who could not be swayed by slick words, comforting reassurances, or denials to stop loving. He has traveled far behind us. He has gone ahead, eyes wide open. He knows what will happen a hundred years from now, or what could, or what must not. He sees things. He is able to mute the gibberish. He has no ego, and therefore no chains. He has no fear, and therefore no agenda. He has no immovable beliefs, and thus no manipulation of truth. He understands how this thing, the heart, is subject to cause and effect, caprice, inconsistencies. 
He understands the inertia of the heart once harbored east, or west, or ten fathoms under. The fates of others course through him like blood. Bardot, his roof from the storm of storms. She, his voice in a sea of mutes. She, his hope amidst a culture in meltdown. She, companion on a lonely planet. Perhaps there it is, the answer, why wizards tumble.